you for listening to the Divine Nobodies Podcast with Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe so you never miss a show. If you're on Instagram, please follow us at Divine Nobodies Podcast and join our ever-growing community of lightworkers and spiritual visionaries. Together, we can raise the frequency of our planet and bring in a new era of awakening and inner standing. Welcome to our tribe. And now your hosts, Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. Thank you for tuning in to Divine Nobody's Podcast. Jen, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. I found the answer to both of our prayers, by the way. Oh, yeah? Tell me more. Yeah. I have been seeking all my life for something as convenient as this. Actually, I was um, taking a really large deep dive into YouTube videos and talks, which is what I normally do on the weekday. <laughs> and uh, I found this uh, the, this website called The, Ena- the Enigmatic Wisdom. Oh, I totally butchered that. The Ena- Enig- the Enigmatic Wisdom of Deepak Chopra. <laughs> oh, I yeah? Can't I, I, I had to try hard to get that one out. That's a hard one. It's a tongue twister. Can you twister. say en- enigmatic five times fast? Enigmatic, enigmatic, yeah. enigmatic, enigmatic. Uh, and it doesn't sound good. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard. Enigmatic. I feel like you need a little practice, but I got it. The enigmatic wisdom of Deepak Chopra. <laughs> the reason why this came about is because I was watching a, a series of debates between him and Sam Harris and a few other people like uh, Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris. And Deepak Chopra was one of the speakers on this panel. Mm-hmm. And uh, me and you are advocates of Deepak Chopra. We love his work. Love I have a lot of his book, um, the, the Third Jesus, really, really good book. I have a lot of a lot of his books in my bookshelf, and uh, I love him and, and Marion Williamson and that that sort of vein of spirituality, metaphysics. And um, he was on this panel of skeptics, atheists, and scientists. And of course, he doesn't really win any points with them. <laughs> uh, but it was interesting to see them kind fun. of debate mm-hmm. and. Uh, one of them was uh, talking about um, how Deepak Chopra doesn't, uh, a lot of the stuff that he says is anecdotal, which I disagree with, um, because when they're taking a scientific approach, the, the realm of spirituality isn't really apparent in a lot of the things that they uh, talk about. But uh, mm-hmm. they were saying that he says a lot of um, really fancy words and a lot of words that seem uh, to go really well together. You know, and I disagree mean, with that, but even if he did, Let's just hypothetically say he did. There is a real skill in stringing words together to sound as eloquent as he does. Absolutely. Yeah. And and, I'm a fan either way. And I'm a fan of Deepak Chopra too, because I've read his books Mm -hmm. and they make sense to me. I like to think that me and you are pretty intelligent people. And I think the reason why is because there's a spiritual underpinning behind his work. There's a loving intention behind what he does. He's very smart. I mean, he's a medical doctor. Yeah. You know, he studied science and also biology. Um, but you know, uh, I think that's the whole point when it comes to, um, theoretical physicists and stuff like that. They like, they, they're always trying to discredit everything. You know, you know that's medicine though. Everybody's always trying to discredit each other. Yeah. Yeah. That's and why we they can call talk it a, a practice. Bit, yeah. We can talk a little bit about that because there's a way to go about, um, debating and, and explaining your thoughts. But the reason why I bring this up is because, uh, one, one of the guys on this, um, video was talking about a website you can go to called wisdom of Chopra. And oh, it's yeah. uh, an algorithm that um, somebody put together where they took every single word that Deepak Chopper's ever said with the hashtag cosmic consciousness on his Twitter and put it into the search engine. And um, <laughs> I, I imagine it was just sort, sort of supposed to be ironic for them, but I think, I think it's actually pretty interesting mm-hmm. because it does sort of have this tinge of like universal sort of wisdom, no matter how you swing the words. 
And um, all you need to do is just press this button. It says receive more wisdom. And I'm going to read off a few of these. And then we're going to try and see if it makes sense to us and see if okay. we can pull at least some wisdom from it. All right. And, I like um, it. Yeah. This would be like a, a celebration of words. So uh, and I'm, gonna, I'm only going to read this. And I'm not reading this to discredit it, but this is really interesting. This person says on the website, it has been said by some that the thoughts and tweets of Deepak Chopra are indistinguishable from a set of profound sounding words put together in a random order, particularly the tweets tagged cosmic consciousness. The site aims to test that claim. Each quote is generated from a list of words that can be found in Deepak Chopra's Twitter stream, randomly stuck together in a sentence. You know, so... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna press to press the word, and I'm going to read it to you, Jen. Okay. And we're going to try and figure out if this is something that is coherent. And we'll also just test the algorithm, algorithm out, see how good it is. All right, it says, your random fictional Deepak Chopper quote says, a formless void opens total abstract beauty. Okay. And what, I guess what I point, what, what I get from this formless void, which is emptiness, which is something that he talks a lot about, right? Yeah. Formless void which is the formlessness of essentially being, because he's more or less like a, a Hindu, would be Atman and Brahman in, in Hinduism, which is the definition of God, opens total abstract beauty. And God is, in a lot of ways, objectively abstract. abstract. Yeah. Right? So this makes sense. So one point uh, to Deepak Chopra for um, uh, throwing in some truth, even though an algorithm is just randomly putting these together. Yeah. So this isn't incoherent. Good. This is something Deepak Chopra would say. Yeah. All right. Second one. Let's see here. Pick another one. Your consciousness regulates pure possibilities. Oh, that totally makes sense. It totally does, right? <laughs> Your consciousness does regulate possibilities. In pure possibilities of that. Like yeah. It's not even just a possibilities. Pure possibilities, I think, at the basis of that is, is, is a, something a bit deeper. Mm -hmm. Your consciousness regulates pure possibilities. Those pure possibilities sort of trump the regular sort of material, everyday, 3D, three-dimensional reality sort of endeavors. This is pure possibilities. Pure ones. Everything that okay. arises out of love. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, next one. The physical world influences the doorway to happiness. It, it does. I mean, if In you can ignore that. Yeah, the physical world influences the doorway to happiness. I, I think for this, I would look at the physical world is almost the, the perfect mirror that will point you in, to, in, in the direction of, of happiness. The physical world influences the doorway to happiness because without the physical world, at least in this dimension, we couldn't awaken to happiness. Right. Right. And it doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be a, a set of circumstances that just invoke happiness. I mean, the only reason why we understand happiness is because we've gone through the sort of gambit of bullshit yeah. and good experiences at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it adds value. I mean, yeah, what you experience in, the, in this lifetime, in this physical realm does influence if you're happy or sad or whatever. So yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. So he's one. I think they all make yeah. sense. We're like number three. All right. I'm going to do one more. Okay. It says, non-judgment grows through sub-empirical genes. <laughs> okay, that one didn't make sense. That one's kind of tough. That, that one's, one's a little tough. Edges. Yeah. Non-judgment grows through sub-empirical genes. Okay, so the, the, the algorithm um, wins in that, in, in that regard, I yeah. guess. So good one health. Of, one of four, not bad. Yeah, one of four. I'll do one more just to, just 
just to even things out. We want to end okay. on a good note. Okay. So uh, another one, good health is the ground of irrational life. <laughs> okay, also doesn't make sense. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't make sense. I'd like to think that like the spirit of Deepak Chopra is like running through this search engine, um, secretively distributing uh, this wisdom, but you have to be maybe at a certain level of consciousness in order to just decipher the good shit from the bad. <laughs> yeah, so this this is interesting, right? It is interesting. Yeah, yeah, super interesting. It. Yeah, yeah. So the reason why this came up, this is, and we're not discrediting Deepak Chopra. We, I've been following his work for a really, really long time. And um, the the thing is with Deepak is is he's one of uh, I guess very few figures in the spiritual community, especially predominantly back in I want to say like the early two thousands that was setting his best foot forward and trying to bridge a really large gap between spirituality and science. Yeah, you know. And he is a medical doctor, and I think that's where a lot of his credibility comes, uh, because he's not stupid. He's a smart guy. Yeah, he's a really he's smart well, guy. He's well-versed in spirituality, but the one thing that you can find with him is that he, he has enough courage to go out in public and to debate a lot of people that have contra that a lot of people that don't share the same sort of belief structures as him. Yeah. And that's going to uh, kind of uh, segue into what it is that me and Jen wanted to talk about today, which is... Um, uh, why it's so important not to impose your beliefs on other people, you know, why it's so important to not impose your beliefs on other people. This is a really important subject because we've all experienced this before firsthand. Oh yeah. And it shows up in so many different aspects of life. It shows up yeah. when you're talking about religion or politics, social issues, raising children, family traditions, um, yeah. opinions about your friends or even your family members, spouses or partners. I mean, it, it just, it rears its ugly head in all these different places. Yeah. And when we were talking about it in the beginning about these debates uh, with these fellows that created this website, I mean, I, I think I'm never going to discredit anybody that disagrees with Deepak Chopra. Mm -hmm. um, I think the whole point with uh, conversation or the, the conversation of spirituality is remain open. And um, to just always be receptive to different viewpoints, because exactly. we live in a largely secular world, and mm -hmm. the idea of a non-denominational culture brings fear of uncertainty for a lot of people, you know, because people, they, they can't handle uncertainty. Right. So they have to place their trust in something. Exactly. And this is ultimately why religion exists in a lot of ways, because it, it represents, um, at least to me in some ways, an insecurity uh, that most people have. You know, yeah, absolutely. To, to place like their faith into something else um, to save us, you know, it, it, in a lot of ways, it almost it keeps us from having to take accountability for our own actions and salvations, what we which we can go go into. But if we're alive, at, le at least from my experience, this is part of the human the I guess the human journey where uh, we have a difficult time with not knowing what's going mm -hmm. on. Yeah. You know, so what what do we do in order to draw in some comfort from that idea, which is we create beliefs, mm -hmm. we create belief systems, we create right. ideas and concepts, and this is the the reason why you know we we have the the sort of like worldly curriculum that we have in school, in spirituality, and uh, religion, and just government in general. It's a it's a large system of values and beliefs and ideas and we ascribe to those all depending on which door 
we want to go down or which route that we um, want to take in life. Absolutely. Uh, I feel like the oldest example of this is religion by far because yeah. it's, it's this, it's you're forcing this set of ideology on other people to prove obedience or commitment to the religion, you know, and it's, that comes from a place of insecurity because you need a reinforcement for why you're believing what you believe and you need other yeah. people to come on board to provide that reinforcement. That's true. That's true. Cause at the very core, I mean, we're not entirely sure. I mean, the, we're, we, there, there are people out there, obviously scientists, they, there are a lot of intelligent people that are out there. Whenever you take a stance to say like, this is indefinitely and definitively how reality works in a lot of ways, at least from my, my, my spiritual sort of perspective, you cut yourself off from the potentiality of anything else coming into your field. Anything different. Yeah. Anything different. And uh, that can lead to a lot of issues because everybody's different. The world is always changing and evolving and the human spirit is a perfect example of how that happens. And the one thing that I've never understood, Jen, about spirituality, especially um, that sort of fundamental Christianity that we follow, is that um, it's a, a religion that's thousands and thousands of years old. And for the most part, they don't allow it to change and evolve. Yet, everything around us in our collective field at the moment is accelerating so fast and changing so fast Consciousness is 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 evolving in in, in a pace that uh, I think is unprecedented for the time that we're in. Which that's not a bad thing. There's this mm -hmm. uh, acceleration that a lot of us um, draw excitement over because we have smartphones, we have computers, we have access to knowledge and wisdom and all this information that we didn't have before. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's really important because it's allowing us and our spirits to evolve. Um, at a much faster pace. So you yeah, have people absolutely. awakening to God and awakening to these sort of like uh, um, spiritual truths a lot faster. But at the same time, you look back at the church and they want to stay exactly the same. Yeah. You know, it's like, what incentive do they have? It doesn't make sense to me that most people are skeptical of everything that includes mm -hmm. somebody sharing information word of mouth somebody reading something, uh, writing a book and sharing information. You know, there are people that don't believe in near-death experiences. There are people that won't believe in anything they haven't experienced themselves. Yeah, there's a lot but of somehow, people like that. Yeah, but somehow the, the workings of these prophets that wrote the Bible, the First and the Second Testament, we somehow just blindly believe that. Right. And then we say, faith has to come into the field. And I'm all for faith. But if you're I'm going to be faith, open. But I'm all also about changing for the times too. I mean, yeah. uh, and this is a, an example that sticks out in my mind because I have a personal connection to this is suicide in the Catholic church. So, yeah. you know, if you commit suicide, um, the old school thought is you're going to hell. Sorry for you. That's it. But I think that as science has evolved, we've discovered that, you know, this is a mental illness and it's not the person isn't taking their own life for you for any other reason other than they're mentally ill. And I think that there's enough evidence to support that now that, mm -hmm. it, but the church hasn't changed their belief on that, you know? Uh, and if they have, they're definitely never going to say it out loud because they don't yeah. want their constituents to think that it's okay to commit suicide. Like finally you got a free pass. 
Yeah. Like everybody's I mean, just going to run out and do that. But yeah. No, yeah. And that, that's obviously it, it, spirituality as, as far as the, the Christian and Catholic side is, is a lot of it is driven in fear. I mean, these mm-hmm. are old antiquated sort of Roman Catholic ways of looking at things. And we have to think back of Emperor Constantine during that time, who was uh, the, the ruler of, of Rome, of the Roman Empire during that time. Mm-hmm. And that existed hundreds of years, if not thousands, after Jesus had actually died. And they found this Bible, and uh, there were a lot of uh, books of the Bible that were actually taken out, including the Book of Enoch, including the, the, the Gospel of John, the Gospel of Mary Magdalene. These were really, really important books of the Bible, which later were coined off as uh, the Gnostic Gospels. And they share a lot of very different stories about um, Jesus and about Mary Magdalene and his, uh, his, even his, the Gospel of Judas, his relationship with Judas. So obviously a very different, different narrative. Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right. Like uh, the times that we're in don't seem to fit with that sort of um, fundamental Christian sort of theology. But at the same time, yeah. they have an incentive to keep it exactly the same because money's involved. Yeah. You know, because uh, you have a lot of these people in these positions of power that still seek authority over other people that are still collecting donations, that are still receiving the tax exemption status for having these churches. And oh, yeah. I'm not to say that the Christian church shouldn't exist, but the issue that everybody uh, is probably listening to this podcast has ever have, has experienced at some point is by being judged by others in the church oh, for yeah. being a, seem, a seemingly human being. Right. You know what I mean? For being different and not, not being uh, a usual churchgoer or being new or just looking different and not looking like the typical congregation or the typical church person. I mean, there's yeah. just, yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. that there's been some, some more progressive churches out there that have popped up where you can, you don't have to dress up in your Sunday's best like you did in the South. I mean, I remember my grandmother being so embarrassed because I went to church and I didn't have hose on yeah. like pantyhose, you know, under yeah. my dress. Cause in yeah, the South, like that was like- considered slutty. It's interesting, right? Kid. Like you have those like like, uh, like Pentecostal religions where it's like the women have to wear these long skirts and they're all jean, yeah. sh- their jean skirts and like their hair has to look a certain way. It's like, well, I don't understand that. Yeah, you know, I don't get it. Like, um, it, it's, I don't know. It's a, it's a really really um, interesting thing. But, but as I go along my my journey in spirituality, I started looking less at the the sort of like. Um, literal approaches to these scriptures and trying to find that sort of uh, baseline level of truth, which is something very simple and something very subtle, which is just love. Mm-hmm. If that's the basis at the, 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 the ground and the substratum of every, everything in spirituality, then we can find that in everywhere, uh, in many places outside of just conventional religion. Hey, uh, you're that's absolutely a common right. ground like, that anybody can find. Exactly, and 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 what will end up happening after that point? You tell that to a Christian, okay? You, they put you into categories. Oh, you're you're a universalist, you're an atheist because you don't believe in this. Um, there are other forms of uh, uh, Christian churches that are out right now. Um, they call them the emergent Christians, um, the Rob Bell's of the world. Um, and Rob Bell, it's interesting. I don't know if you've read or I've heard, never of heard of Rob Bell, this. but yeah, he had these like series of he. he he um, had a church. Uh, he was a pastor of a church called Mars Hill. I think it was in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Okay. And uh, he was, uh, in a lot of ways, what I would actually consider the Jesus of our time, just in the way that he disperses his information, because he he kind of works under the guise of a pastor, 
but he has a very, very sort of um, uh, esoteric, sort of like um, Gnostic approach to it. But he makes it in uh, a, such a relatable way as to almost make him seem like a universalist. So people give him a lot of shit because he talks about like the mind and the ego and the um, the observer and the observed and stuff like that, stuff you don't normally hear in those churches. And um, he and has a lot of kind really of basic science and basic psychology. Yeah, exactly. And that's another thing that he does is he bridges science with um, spirituality. I think that's becoming a lot more widespread now and accepted. Yeah. I think it's I safe think so. to say at this point that um, that old sort of antiquated um, Christian belief is uh, being challenged more so in our world now. I think solely based off of the fact that people are all collectively accepting the fact that the church tends to um, get its momentum from fear. Yeah. It, you know? It's interesting because a lot of things these days are getting their momentum from fear. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's 2020. <laughs> Yeah, it's all fear-based. Yeah, it's all fear-based, and, and, and to to bring it into the what we're talking about on imposing your beliefs on people, uh, I guess we would start with um, the reason why we do it. You know, yeah. why why is that we feel a need to impose our beliefs on other people? Because this is what happens, and I, I think me and you collectively come from experience because everybody's been this person before. Mm-hmm. Every single person has believed in something and wanted to share it with somebody else. Uh, with the hope that we can either convert them, that we can either um, gain favor by them. I mean, if we're human, uh, it's just something that we've all experienced. And I think through a course of trial and error, we realize the futility of that and realize why, um, especially um, in spirituality, why it's um, it, it, it's it's not a it's such a productive thing. And the reason right. why I say that is because uh, when we impose our beliefs on other people, especially when it comes to healing, and we'll just we'll put that in a context and we'll say healing for a second because that's a lot of what we hear in the healing and spiritual community. We take their opportunity to heal and find out themselves away from them. You know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. I do. Because if the journey is an experiential one, which is your your life and everything that you gain as far as wisdom comes down to everything that you've uh, reached out and touched with your own hands, everything that you've tasted and heard. And basically your experiential wisdom comes from one thing, which is your action in this life. Right. And the only way that you can make sense of your own spirituality and your own place in the realm of that is by drawing from your own experience. Mm -hmm. Everything that we all know of love everything that we all know of, of, of anger and fear, the fundamental emotions that we have in life, the only thing that we understand of that are our own experiences of it. Mm-hmm. So when somebody comes along and says, hey, this is the way that life is, a lot of people will hear it, and that's not to say that you won't take something from it. And there's, there's a difference between sharing information with somebody and being open to the possibilities that you may be actually wrong and you may actually be right this uh, that, that that isn't the the thing that's wrong what's wrong is when we force our opinions and beliefs on somebody else and don't respect the fact that they have their own that they have their own yeah and actually listening to what someone has to say and this is something that's pretty new and i i definitely saw it very aggravated in 2020 with so much division division in our society but 
prior to that, you could have a conversation with someone and disagree with them, but still have a conversation and not get upset. Um, but something changed and I'm not sure exactly what it was, but now people only want to hear their opinion coming out of your mouth. And if you are not voicing their opinion, then you're stupid or you're an idiot or you don't understand or, you know, whatever. So it's just really interesting how we can no longer have conversations anymore. Yeah, no, it's absolutely. Absolutely. And, and even when I was watching these talks, the, the talks that I was watching earlier today were between uh, Deepak Chopra, who's um, uh, he's a, a spiritual teacher and author, and then Sam Harris, who's a, a world-renowned atheist, and then Michael Shermer, who's um, sort of like a, a skeptic. And they had this talk at, uh, this series of talks, one of them was at Caltech, on the nature of God. And these guys were just shitting all over Deepak Chopra, like all over the place. And of course, um, that wouldn't be the most ideal place for somebody like Deepak Chopra to sort of dish out his level of spirituality at Caltech because that's all scientists, mm-hmm. you know. And I worked at JPL for a long, a long time, and a lot of those people are pretty rational, they're pretty understanding, mm-hmm. and they're pretty open. But for whatever reason, Sam Harris and Mike, Michael Schumer were just crapping all over him on stage, and um, I, in, in, you know. For, for those of you who, who, I guess there was a difference between almost like Newtonian versus Darwinian views, very masculine, very feminine type of discussions. Newtonian is, is I think, um, driven more by science. Like they think that the, the reason why, um, for example, like uh, love is nothing but like a chemical reaction. It's mm-hmm. like oxytocin. DNA is nothing but a tangled arrangement of molecules. And morality is nothing but a social construct. So they have an answer, a very scientific answer for everything and what i found in these interviews and in these talks when i was, was watching them is that like they were they had such conviction in what they were saying and they didn't seem open to possibilities and they seemed very conclusive that god mm-hmm. didn't exist but at the basis the re- they seemed very confused by everything that Deepak chopper had to say yeah because he was operating from this level of there's something other than the physical at work right he's operating from this level of there's a spiritual underpinning behind all of this that you need to be aware of that is moderating all of this like they couldn't like sam harrison these other fellows they they couldn't distinguish they 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 looked at the brain as being the the sort of definitive command center from which everything arises and so if you're looking at the brain as just neurons these are just spontaneous firings that are driven by neurochemicals and then you look at deepak trapa which is there is a force that uses the brain, but it isn't the brain. And it's hard to try and communicate that to somebody that doesn't think spirit exists. Yeah. And uh, in context of what we're talking about, um, I didn't like the fact that they weren't more compassionate towards Deepak Chopra. It's like they, they and the reason why, uh, and, and it made it seem almost like there was way more insecurity from their perspective mm-hmm. because they absolutely had to be right. Right. You know, like they absolutely had to be right. And you can tell Deepak Chopra just had this sort of smirk on his face. He knew he was in the wrong place. Yeah. But he knew, you can just tell by his face that he knew that nothing he communicated to these guys was going to get through to them. Was going to get through, yeah. And, and, and that's sort of, yeah, and that's sort of like the... narcissistic thing to think of, right? Yeah. Be- because just because you're right doesn't mean the other person is wrong. Yeah. 
Yeah, Your ideas may be amazing, um, but they just may not be the right fit for the person that you're talking to. And just like you were talking about earlier about experiences, we all have different experiences that shape our opinions. Yeah. So, and you have to you have to really look at because even though these guys they obviously thought that they were right, there was something about how um, callous they were to Deepak Chopra, where I I just started trying to intuitively just read their behavior. There's something in them that obviously got mad. Yeah. What is that? Yeah. What does that need to be right come from? Like, I, where know, does I that? Wonder. I've always like, wondered where do, that. Like, where does where does that come from? Where does this impetus to shit all over somebody else's beliefs in order to be right? And then I I, I come down to that is also an insecurity. It has to be right? because yeah. it draws the, the the reactivity inside of your body, which mm-hmm. is that, that that primitive response that that root chakra based response that we talked about in uh, i think uh, one of our last episodes which is the that flight or fight response that comes in when we feel threatened yeah and at no point did deepak chopper feel threatened but at every point did these guys make absolutely sure like their their ultimate goal was to make him make deepak chopper feel and, and know that he was wrong you know it's just such poor communication too. I mean, everybody wants to, when you're having a conversation, you want to make sure that the other person really does hear what you're saying. And yeah. nobody likes, nobody likes to be railroaded. Nobody likes to talk to someone that is just talking over them and trying to discredit or disprove every word that's coming out of their mouth. That's not effective communication. That's one yeah. person trying to dominate the conversation. Yeah. And I can respect a conversation uh, between a scientist and um, a spiritual guru. And the reason why is because, especially even an atheist, those are the conversations that I love. An atheist with somebody spiritual, because an atheist is just as spiritual normally as somebody that is, Mm -hmm. because they have a very reductionist type of mentality. They take one thing and they dissect it and they try and get to the smallest, most, uh, I guess, fundamental aspect of what that is. It's the same exact thing that in um, Buddhism and Advaita Vedanta, his, uh, Hinduism, where you're subtracting. You're mm-hmm. subtracting all the untruths. You're subtracting all the illusion in order to arrive at some base level of love. And that is exactly what atheists do. Although atheists won't say they believe in something, they won't say that they believe in a biblical God, but mm-hmm. there's an impulse in them to want to find out. Right. The, the 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 answers to all of this this is what i don't understand is that if you don't believe that there's a god if you believe that there's no point to all of this what is the impulse in you to give a shit you know yeah like what is what is that what is it in them that drives them to go through this this really long journey of discrediting everything what what is the point of that and what oh, is even the point of, of understanding neurons right yeah like it, 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 and they're not they're not just openly saying oh it's just a dance this is just we're all just word salading together like there's there's yeah. a, a drive for meaning somewhere ooh a chopra salad you know a chopra <laughs> a chopra sour so there, there's there's a drive for meaning right yeah and what does that drive for meaning come from and this is why I think the contradiction exists because an atheist will say they don't believe something but the fact that they are so passionate about what they believe shows that they're trying to find meaning right you know That's so I, I think i never thought uh, about that i had a yeah, friend that was really, an atheist in school and yeah. he was so hard-headed but after one trip to burning man i think that that changed his mind so <laughs> exactly right that i was saying the whole time just go to burning man or one yeah, of these just go to burning man festivals. you'll you'll understand you'll get it or or go to peru <laughs> 
But it's like, but this is the thing though, right? Is that like, we've come across those people that are like, you know, you just do this, but Deepak Chopra, yours and I, our entire journey is worked into understanding that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like um, all of it. And I was thinking about this the other day. Um, when you read, when I was watching these YouTube videos, obviously all men, mm-hmm. full male panel, you know, Jordan Peterson, Sam Harris, like Deepak Chopra, all men. And there's like a certain energy to how they debate. Yeah. They have to be right. And they're just, uh, they're bouncing back and forth. And there's this sort of almost smugness to them when they speak. Yeah. But then you go and you get, you know, Marion Williamson on stage or some of these um, uh, females in the spiritual community on stage. And it's just like a natural, like a nice collaboration of ideas. Yeah. <laughs> and not to say that there aren't men that are like that. But I think um, the reason why I bring this up is because this is a really diff- this is a really hard contrast between masculine energy, feminine energy, and masculine why you need energy. Both. Yeah, <laughs> why masculine you need to balance. energy. Masculine energy is very rational. Mm-hmm. It is based in what you can prove with right. your eyes and with science. Feminine energy is based in the potentiality, the unknown. And that is where a lot of the truth and spirituality comes from. So integrating both is, I think, uh, the key. So it's not bad that they they both, that uh, Deepak Chopra and Sam Harris debate each other. But what I think needed to happen in that conversation was that they needed to express more compassion for each other Mm -hmm. because they were on two completely different separate journeys. And his reality was entirely different than the other. Yeah. And just respectfully communicate. I mean, compassion is one thing, but also being respectful and listening and letting the person that is speaking to you know that you're actually listening. You know, it it really does change the dynamic of a conversation. Yeah. It's very hard to, and you know, just like whenever you're about to have a breakup conversation with, you know, someone you're dating they know that it's coming, you know that it's coming, and just the energy between the two people, the conversation is already off to a bad start. You know, just having that energy of knowing that this conversation is not going to go well. Yeah. And anytime you enter into a conversation like that, inevitably it doesn't go well. Yeah. Especially when you're discussing really complex things like the Mm -hmm. dynamics of a relationship or spirituality, it's so important to remain open. Yeah. It's because it's so easy to forget, especially yeah. in the heat of a relationship. It's, it's so e- it's so easy to forget that they are a different person than you are, mm-hmm. with their own emotions, their own um, experience, and uh, we create all these barriers. Uh, we create all these sort of walls right at the beginning, mm-hmm. when it should be just a, an exploration of, of, uh, or, like ideas and emotions. You know, yeah, and in, in why, and I don't understand why. Let's just say hypothetically, you believed in something, and you wanted somebody else to know about it. And I'm guessing with the intention to somehow convert them into your realm of thinking. There's there's something to be celebrated about the fact that everybody thinks differently than you do, right? Because that that is the way that source operates. Mm-hmm. There's there's an unpredictability to source that covers the full spectrum of human creativity, which is unbound and untethered to conceptual frameworks. Like we should celebrate the fact that there are all these different people in the world that have the opportunity to believe something different than you do. Right. And I think the the whole goal, especially if you're trying to um, 
express your spirituality to somebody is to just embody it yourself. Mm-hmm. And you end up being a sort of beacon to truth to other people. In context to our podcast, when it comes to spirituality, I mean, we, we never want to come across as uh, preachy to anybody that's listening. The only thing that happens between, I think, me and Jen is that we are open to the possibilities that life is a lot more complex than we think. Yeah. And the, the beautiful thing about spirituality isn't so much that we're trying to arrive to a destination, but more so that we're trying to, it, it becomes a conversation. Mm-hmm. It's a conversation exactly. that, is, and, and as long as we're saying it's a conversation, it's always moving. Mm-hmm. It's, always, it's always free to change. And I change my mind a lot. Oh, me too. You know? Yeah, and, on a and lot of different the, topics. A lot of different topics because, you know, like we, we're open to learning. If somebody comes across our path and they're able to sort of wax poetic about something I'm interested in, I mean, my beliefs may change. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's, uh, some, uh, what I'd like to say is that like I, I don't hold my belief, and I think you talked about this, Jen, about like not putting so much into your beliefs. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. they can so easily change. That doesn't mean that you, the entirety of who you are as a person changes. No. The, you, at the basis of who you are, if, if you're loving, then uh, you don't have to overly identify with any belief, but you can be open to the potentials that come along with believing different things. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, if you're married to your ideas, it's very hard to understand or hear another person whenever they have an idea that is different than yours. Exactly. And it's like that. How do you learn anything new if you know everything already? That's right. Ask 18 you know? year old me. I fucking knew everything. Yeah. <laughs> 18 year old you? <laughs> yeah. And I Back was when I was 18 and I knew too. everything. Yeah. Yeah. Those days. It's crazy because when you're young, uh, it, there's almost an incentive to do that because you spend a large part of your youth um, basically under somebody else's rule, right? Mm-hmm. You, you're, you're, you're driven by rules. You're driven by um, what people allow you to do and what people don't allow you to do. So it almost seems like a part of the natural journey of the person to go through that almost like this tinge of narcissism because after that point, you start to get older, you start to develop a sense of self, Mm -hmm. and you start holding very strongly your beliefs and convictions because you no longer want to live by the beliefs and convictions of others, which is your parents, right. mm-hmm. which is uh, your school system, you know, the, and, it, it's, and it makes sense why children go through that rebellious stage. Yeah. Somebody actually, you know, you, you were a nurse and you probably know a little bit about this uh, um, biologically, but, you know, kids go through this certain period where their hormones are starting to move through their veins and they mm-hmm. known for getting, they're known for getting kind of cranky. Yeah. <laughs> and they're known for getting really rebellious and they talk back to you and yeah, I need a lot more kind of sleep thing. and eat a lot more food. Mm-hmm. Right. But I started thinking about this. I started thinking about this. I don't think that hormones just uh, randomly just move through your body. I mean, I, I imagine they do, but I also feel like there's a, a spirit and a certain package of emotions that is being unloaded into the body that creates the capacity for this to happen. I think the reason why this is just my this is my perspective, Jen. I think the reason why kids go through that rebellious stage is because it's a certain point where they can't take the lies anymore. You find yeah. out Santa Claus is not real. Mm-hmm. You find out the Easter Bunny is not real. You find out that you know life isn't exactly the way that it is in Disney movies, and 
you start questioning a lot of things that you're told when you're young are true that aren't true. Yeah. You're bamboozled so many times. Like, like my, um, for example, my mom used to say that I made really good coffee. So I would wake up early so I could start the coffee pot every morning. This is like really dating myself. This is before there were automatic coffee pots. Right. Um, and it wasn't that I made good coffee. I didn't make good coffee. I just got up early to do it for her so she didn't have to, right? So then as you get older, you're like, oh, I see what's going on here. I'm getting bamboozled. This yeah. is bullshit. Yeah, you get <laughs> you're bamboozled. You're bullshitting me. Yeah. And we, when we get so surprised when kids act out. Right. You know, we get so surprised that they want to be in the room with the door closed, like like listening to to metal music that a lot of the message coming out of that is how to think for yourself and be different because everybody wants to to conform to being the same. For sure. So it almost seems like a, a, something that we sort of ask for in a lot of ways. And oh my God, that Rage Against that the Machine way, album. Oh, exactly. I was like the anthem to to my high school years. Well, was I in high school or was I in junior high? Shit, I don't remember. You want, you want to know a story about the, the Zach DeLaRocha from um, Rage Against the Machine? You know, he grew I up do. in Irvine. Oh, he did? Oh, I had the biggest crush on him. He grew up in Irvine, right? And um, he faced a lot of race uh, racism there, prejudice. Like people were, oh yeah, super, I believe that mistreated him through school. Um, oh yeah, they they made fun of his race and his ethnicity like all through school, and that pissed him off something awful. Yeah, oh yeah, sure did. I yeah. heard they're touring again, so I want to go see him. Yeah, I saw him years ago at the Voodoo Fest in New Orleans with. Um, Smashing pumpkins. Oh. And that was, yeah, it was pretty awesome. Nice. So, yeah. But, yeah, very um, cool. They broke up right after that and I haven't seen them since then or um, even heard really much, much from them. But, yeah, they're, they're a perfect example of like uh, uh, the uh, obviously people as rebellious teens get into the rage against the missing phase. Yeah. Anyways, Fuck that was yeah, just like I won't a. Do a, what you tell me. Yeah. So, that was, that was like a, a, a fun factoid. You know, another thing that makes me think of this whole conversation, which is like, we need to have people that disagree. Like we need to have people believe something different because, um, those are the, that is the, the, the most, uh, I guess, um, I guess the, it's, it's, it's the greatest training ground for the spiritual journey to come across people that create that contrast and that polarity. That polarity is what provokes thought right if everyone agrees with each other then there's no thinking Mm -hmm. you know you have to there has to be some disagreement to provoke thought yeah and i think it's just to 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 always be open and even if and this is what i think this is what i think is um uh, for this podcast and this in this subject is don't don't impose your beliefs on others and the reason why is because, and somebody told me this a long time ago, you know, the greatest thing about advice is everybody gives it, but nobody takes it. Mm-hmm. Even if, say, you had the answer to the universe and you had, you know, had a firsthand conversation with God and he, uh, he, he gave you all of the solutions to every problem and you went and you went and shared that with anybody, any given person, no matter who it is, if it's not within their realm of experience, it's just going to go over their head. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, the, the it, everything that we draw wisdom from in life is it, it is accumulated through action, through experience. And that's the thing with these Eastern sages that I've um, kind of come to the conclusion about is that 
whenever these people come to India and ask like Papaji, H.W.L. Punja, or Suramana Maharshi these complex questions, they don't really give a shit to give you the answer. And they'll just straight up tell the, the, the student, like, it doesn't matter what the answer is. Because if I told you the most profound information, it's, 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 it's not going to make sense to you if it's not within your realm of experience. The only thing that you're going to do is you're going to take it. You're going to take ownership of it. You're going to turn it into some sort of dogmatic process. And mm -hmm. you're going to create a system of belief that takes you away from your own experience. Right. It's just know. like going to therapy. All they're going to do is ask you more questions so you can arrive at the solution on your own. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and also the, the best thing to do is to just inquire as to your own beliefs. Mm -hmm. I have um, a, a kind of a funny story on, on someone imposing their beliefs on me. And I thought it was hilarious. So one of my girlfriends was involved in this like mid-level marketing scheme where you sell insurance, you know, and mm -hmm. life insurance, life insurance is such a scam. PS. Uh -huh. It's the biggest scam ever. Um, yeah. So she's pushing me to join these calls and to get involved and you can make so much money. And, you know, why do you want to keep living simple working a nine to five when you can have your own business and make all this money and do all this and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, number one, because I feel like it's a scam. <laughs> and number yeah. two, what if I like my nine to five job? What if I enjoy what I'm doing? You never yeah. asked me if I wanted to change jobs or if I even liked what I was doing, you know? Yeah. So, and she was like, oh shit. Yeah. I guess I should have asked you. Yeah. <laughs> and she didn't, she didn't, she didn't ask. So yeah. I thought it was kind of, kind of funny. She's obviously no longer doing that because she's a smart girl. She figured out it was a scam. <laughs> so, yeah. It's like that, that total, long. the total lack of awareness that you are your own person. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it almost seems like just somebody trying to push some like their own values onto you, um, sort of like unsolicited, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it, I guess what, what I want to just be clear about as well as talking about beliefs is um, we identify too closely with them, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. We, we, we work so close with our beliefs that in some ways they end up becoming this sort of illusion of who we are. Yeah. Your beliefs are not who you are. Yeah. And you don't want to be moderated by your beliefs. You know, because otherwise we see someone imposing or challenging them as a criticism. Right. And then if that were the case, then your emotions are going to be thrown around all over the place. Mm -hmm. And the best thing to do, especially if you're looking at it from a spiritual perspective, is to realize that there is a, an observer of every belief and you have the choice as to whether or not you want to identify with one or let it go. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's the point is to, to exercise. Um, you could, you can believe in something. Absolutely. But um, don't believe in something at the cost of, you know, somebody else's uh, belief system or uh, somebody else's life and somebody else's journey. Oh, for you sure. Know? I mean, and it, it can cost you a relationship. It can cost you, you know, a, a partner. It could cost you a friendship. It could cost you a business deal. You know, you have to listen. Um, I had a a, f a very good friend and we were friends for a very long time and she mm -hmm. married someone that I didn't think was a good fit for her. And mm -hmm. I never told her that because it wasn't my business, but, um, they were having some problems and she asked me what I thought of her partner. So I took that opportunity to be honest and, um, that I felt like he was a nice person, but I didn't think that he was the right person for her because yeah. over the years I had noticed that she was 
not her true authentic self. She would hide things from him and hide things, you know, uh, from herself. And she just wasn't, she lost her, lost her spark, right? She lost her, her spunk. And, um, she felt like my advice, um, or my opinion rather, um, was me not being supportive of her marriage. Right. Mm -hmm. So she came to me to, to ask me this question and ask me for my opinion. But then when I gave it to her, it's not what she wanted to hear. Yeah. So usually isn't usually isn't right. You know, so be careful what you ask for. I always used to run into that issue, Jen, when it came to um, giving advice, I'd always tell them it's not what you want to hear. Right. It's like, uh, this is the one thing that I learned um, early on in, in relationships is that like when, when your girlfriend asks you if this looks good, like you, 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 she doesn't want to know your real opinion. Nope. She wants you to tell her that she looks good. Yep. Right. And I had to learn that the hard way. Um, I mean, obviously my, the, the girlfriend or whoever it is that I'm with always looks good, but if you want my, my real honest opinion on whether or not this dress matches with that, I'm going to give you, or at least at that time, I'd give you honest feedback. Huh. You know, like, yeah, I like the other shoes better. Or yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. She's better. And you get that look like mm, motherfucker. Yeah. You motherfucker. And she's like, well, I like these better. Okay. Then wear those. Why'd you yeah. ask? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I used to get into a lot of trouble with that because when somebody asked me a question, I assume they want the answer. Right. You know? Yeah. It makes me think of like, what is at the basis of belief? It's, it's what's true, right? Like we, mm-hmm. we have this affinity to truth. And if we were to dissect truth, well, what is truth? Like, what is truth? To me, truth is what we associate as right, right? There's right and good. And then mm-hmm. the opposite of that is, is, is wrong, bad. That would be like a lie or an untruth. Right. But truth is what we identify as being good. Mm-hmm. Not because God says so, but because we've experienced it for ourselves. So we experience truth in everyday life from uh, our experiences. Well, how does that manifest? Like you could go and uh, do something really good for somebody. Like how we, how we gauge truth, I think, is driven by a certain level of action that works in our favor mm-hmm. and that also works uh, for the betterment of somebody else, right? Right. And that is, that is what truth is derived from. And that is what goodness, I think, is derived from. So if we're if the basis of that is love, if if truth comes from love, then that means that if you're open enough and you have enough courage, you'll look at every single every single denomination of spirituality in life that exists as just a uh, how would I say it, it it would basically be just the various ways in which God manifests in different regions of the world. You know, like we need to have Hinduism, we need to have Christianity, we need to have Catholicism, we need to even have all these other crazy religions that are out there. Because if it provides somebody some level of happiness, how can they be wrong? Right. You know, and if if it's something that allows them to wake up every day and do good things for other people, if it allows them to uh, love another person, to be good to their family... That is true spirituality, I think, at its core. So whatever it is that you believe in, I don't, I don't care what you believe in. Uh, but if you do believe in something, believe in it because it does good for your life and believe in it because it brings out something like that spark, that, that sort mm-hmm. of spark, that, that source sort of radiates from it. Yeah, you know what I mean? Absolutely. That's how I know. That's, that's how I gauge truth. I gauge truth by how loving it makes somebody feel. And if yeah. it is outside of that, that... That is not truth to me. So if anybody's telling you something and you, they happen to believe something different and you can feel 
the love in their words, not necessarily the content of what they're saying, but if you can see, you can see love in another person. Oh yeah. You can see how spirituality affects another person. And if it affects them in a beautiful, loving sort of way, how, how can that not be right? Like Mm -hmm. it it has to be true, you know? Yeah. It's, it's really not your responsibility to tell someone how they should live their life and what they should believe. It's true. Because really we, we don't think that maybe they need to experience what they experience. Right. Maybe Everybody's here on their own journey. Yeah. I, I didn't arrive to any place of value by um, listening to the experience of others. And at the same time, I needed to get my heart broken. Mm-hmm. I needed to go through just various levels of challenges, be really poor when I was a kid. Yeah. And there are exactly. so many various ways in which we arrive to awakening it's yeah. not that sort of like you, you, you're born and then you just, you know, you draw on this curriculum of just being good and give yourself all this shit for sinning or being bad. It's a, a collection of all of those things working together that bring you into this place of understanding. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everybody's got their own trauma to work out, you know? Yeah. So now, there was a guy, there was a guy that asked, um, Muji, um, how you know something is inspired by love and ha- inspired by God. And he says, because it sounds beautiful. Aww, and it doesn't nice. necessarily have to be the content of a song or the content of somebody's, uh, um, like, well, I guess it, it could be the content of a song or words, because when you listen to it, when you listen to a song that's beautiful, there's just like a certain flow to it. It makes you feel good. It lights mm-hmm. up all those, yes. you know, the the neurotransmitters in your brain it just makes you feel good so that's how you know it's come from god because it just it's it's beautiful like poetry poetry is the perfect example of that yeah it you sure know? is i've never yeah. really been into poetry but you know i do think that i do when i read like you know a famous poetry that pops up on instagram or whatever in a meme yeah. i'm like oh yeah that's nice yeah yeah so i love poetry so do you ever ask yourself questions before you're going into a place of judgment about someone else's beliefs. So do you Um, ever sit and think like, Hmm, is this in my best interest or in this person's best interest? I, what exactly um, am I trying to accomplish with this? It depends on what period of time we're talking about, because I think every person, um, on their path, goes through a period of time where they have an experience, whether it's through plant medicine, whether it's through meditation, whether it's through reading books, where, they get this aha moment and the first impulse that they have is they want to share it with other people. Mm-hmm. There's an excitement there. So it's almost an innocent excitement to where it's like you want to go around telling your friends everything right. that you experienced and right. you learn quickly that it just sort of goes over their head and you go through this period of like, almost like a, a messiah complex in a way, right? And then you get older and you realize how important it is uh, to not do that how, how you realize that your experience is very specific to yourself and not anybody else. But as I get older, now I don't do that as much. Whenever mm-hmm. somebody wants to talk to me about politics, religion, spirituality, I automatically, I, I, I would say I, I try and operate from that level of awareness. And as long as I'm operating from awareness, then I'm never, ever falling victim to the reactivity of my brain. Because the brain, the ego is the one that's like, whoa, gets yeah. triggered. This isn't what I believe. Let me tell you why. 
you're wrong. And I feel like it's a part of our conditioning. It happens to everybody. Like you can go on and turn on the TV. You can have a, you can overhear a conversation in public, people saying all types of crazy shit. And there's that ego that always comes up. That's like, that person's full of shit. That's not right. But I don't react on that. I just, I try and see it from awareness and I say, okay, this person is on their own journey and you never know those beliefs that they have could lead them and catapult them into awakening. Perhaps. Do you go through that Perhaps. when Did somebody you- like is talking in public and, or, or tries to tell you about something about wants to talk to you about something about politics or spirituality? Do you get that reactivity? Yeah, I, I will. And that's why I don't engage. So, um, I think to myself, what exactly am I trying to accomplish by having this conversation with this person? You know, especially someone who is so um, dead set in their belief. You're not going to change their mind. I'm not going to try. It's not my responsibility to do that. Like, I'm just not going to engage. Because all it does is is get me hyped up and irritated and anxious. So what's the point of that? Yeah, those are tough conversations. And I think um, everybody has those family members that get together during Christmas and you're it's about, I want to say, you know, uh, it, barely midnight, maybe it's almost one o'clock and everybody's tanked and you got those two, that, that cousin and that uncle that just oh, sit and God. talk about politics. Oh Lord. Yeah. And you're just Why? like, oh, it's like, oh, this is the wrong time. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, do I want to get into this? I don't right. know. And you right. can tell it just never, it never, it never goes anywhere because it's, it's not, it's not a, it's not a war on uh, politics or religion. These are people's values. Mm-hmm. Like we hold our beliefs so strongly that it almost becomes a part of who we are. Right. And if somebody comes and threatens to take that away from you, it almost feels like somebody's taking a certain part of you away from them, mm-hmm. like a certain part of them away from them. Yeah. And that isn't our responsibility to try and do that. Even though at the core, you know that you're not taking a part of them away, but they think that you are. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important to allow people to, to believe and feel what they want, especially, especially nowadays, that whole free speech thing, like people are, are, they don't want to be canceled. They, they talk about cancel culture and then they talk about how free speech should be advocated. Like there's a lot of people out there for free speech, but I say, if you believe in free speech, then you have to believe and be open and accepting to the fact that people believe something different than you do. Yeah. And that involves spirituality. And that involves all level of politics. And if you, even if you take one side and you happen to not agree, at least be open and at least don't shit on that person for believing something different. So I think the moral of the story um, that we wanted to talk about today is to just be open. Be open to learning new things. And if somebody believes something different than what you believe, try and find the baseline level of truth. Don't try and identify too much with their sort of a little literal interpretation of the story, but if there's some love there, because if you're talking about Krishna and somebody else is talking about Buddha and the other one's talking about Jesus, they're all fundamentally the same. As long as you're looking at the the true sort of baseline level of spirituality, which is love, so allow people to be on their own journey because that's how they get to evolve. Absolutely. And, and check yourself, ask yourself three questions before you engage with someone. Is this in my best interest or in this person's best interest? What exactly am I trying to accomplish by the words that I'm saying? Do you, 
really truly understand and know this person's beliefs or desires and how can pushing your agenda impact your relationship with that person? Yeah. And that's really good advice. It's really good advice because uh, life is like our, our, our beliefs are driven at least uh, this is the reason why we have to be careful with beliefs is because we only understand them from our level of experience. Mm -hmm. Otherwise somebody can come along and just, tell you what they believe and it's not going to make any sense to you. That's why it seems so uh, futile to and arbitrary to share way and try and get somebody to convert to your beliefs because if it's not within their realm of experience, it doesn't make any sense to them. Right. And they have to go through their life accumulating uh, the experience in order to even arrive at the place of awakening or enlightenment or, or spirituality. And by imposing your beliefs, you're taking that opportunity away from them. You Agreed. know, God has a very, very specific uh, curriculum for every single person on earth mm -hmm. and they need to go through various levels of suffering and pain and happiness and tragedy in order to one resolve karma from their previous life resolve resolve karma in this life but also understand like the the basic sort of dynamics of how this reality works and the only way that they're going to do that is by going through the various levels of experiences that they're going through you know exactly yeah yeah I think All we covered right. a covered a I think we covered it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys for for tuning in. That was a that was an intense one. That was a deep one, Jen. Yeah, it was deep. You know? Very serious. Put our yeah, serious hats on. Tonight. Sometimes yeah, sometimes we got to go into serious. And everybody's listening. If you want a little bit of wisdom, hop online. Go on to uh, wisdom of wisdomofchopra.com. <laughs> and uh, receive more wisdom from uh, Mr. Deepak. I'll read one off while this whole thing is going. It says, the web of life differentiates into subjective miracles. Ooh, Sound that's good, a good right? one. Yeah, and if, you never, if you're ever like talking to somebody, maybe on the phone, and you want to say something really profound, just pull up this uh, search engine. Yeah. And then just say, hey, making tea expresses an abundance of acceptance. <laughs> maybe not that one. Don't yeah, maybe that not one, that one. But, yeah. Maybe not that one. Yeah, that's funny stuff. Anyways, thank you guys for tuning in. You could uh, find us on YouTube, like and subscribe to our videos. We have this, uh, uh, we record every episode. If you're actually listening to this on Spotify or even on uh, Apple Podcasts, if you go into the info, the info piece where we write our descriptions, it has a link to our YouTube page. If you click on the link, it'll take you to the video of this podcast. You can watch it in its entirety. You can like and subscribe, do all the things, or you can send us an email. Um, other than that, yeah, I think it's good, right? Yeah, that's everything. All right, namaste, friends. Namaste.